Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Hey, warmer from the low. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson family of podcasts. And we've got a tremendous podcast for you. In the second segment, one of our good friends, Jeff Barles, he does a great job over there at the Vegas Sets and Information Network. You're able to catch him Monday through Friday helping out Gil Alexander on a numbers game. And then on top of that, he does a lot of work for us over at VEASAN on the weekends. Typically, it's point spread Saturday, though. They bounce him around a little bit of everywhere. He's our ultimate utility player on the weekends. He's going to be joining me. We're going to be getting his thoughts on the first two or so weeks of the season, anything that he likes for Tuesday. And on top of that, we are going to be talking about just how to gauge these doubleheaders as well because we wound up seeing a couple washouts on Monday and that means that we've got a pair of double dips on Tuesday. One question that I wound up getting, and you're able to ask a question if you have it for this podcast, if you've got a segment idea, what have you. One of two ways we all further said. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gunit underscore d1. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in the question, the segment idea, what have you that you have for this podcast. Buy that five-star review, but I know that a lot of you guys were asking, how are doubleheaders going to be formatted? We are back to nine innings, so thank goodness gracious we don't have the seven inning doubleheaders, so don't think that we should be seeing totals of like five in these doubleheaders or anything like that, but with that said, we're going to be talking about handicapping those and so much more, and then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. Already explained how you're able to fire in a question if you have it for this podcast, so we've got you guys covered there. Now let's take a look back at everything that we wound up seeing on 
some money, trying to find some trends and trying to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. And a trio of rainouts on Monday, so not as much action as we would have liked, but that said, the day started out with the Minnesota Twins bubbling the Boston Red Sox by a count of 8-3 to three as Ore Palanco winds up going deep off of Rich Hill for his second home run of the season, and Kyle Garlick let off the game with his first home run of the season for Hill. Gives up four runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings, including a pair of bombs. Bill Valdez and Eduardo Casasado Mora both give you one and a third innings out of the bullpen, giving up nothing, but Cutter Crawford, one and two-thirds innings, so he got five outs, and he had five walks in the process, giving up four runs. That was not necessarily so great. So, Patriots Day for Boston Red Sox fans. Not necessarily so rosy as Dylan. Don't call me Al Bundy. Five and a third innings, giving up one run. Griffin Jacks winds up pitching the final two innings, gives up a run in the process. Joan Duran winds up giving up a run in an inning as he did a lot of solo home run as Christian Vasquez if we get his first bomb of the season. But for the Twins, who actually, by the way, have the worst bullpen area out there in the big leagues, they did wind up getting two-thirds of an inning, scoreless out of Joe Smith. As you also wind up seeing the Pittsburgh Pirates not be able to generate much against the Milwaukee Brewers. Six to one the final end. If you wound up having this total under, and I wound up having the under in this game, boy oh boy, you should be counting your lucky stars. It was six to one after four innings, and then the game died. You're gonna find out in the next segment when I talk with Jeff. Bullpens have actually been pretty solid in the big leagues as Zach Thompson got lit up like a Christmas tree, giving up six runs over the course of four innings with Christian Yelich being able to go for four RBI and a home run his first of the season as from there, Dylan Peters, three scoreless settings, Aaron Fletcher, a scoreless setting, and for the Pirates, they go 0 of 9 with men in scoring position as it was a good start for Eric Lauer. He does wind up giving up a solo home run. That home run to Diego Castillo, his first home run in the season, but that's all that he would surrender in six innings. Then from there, John Del Gustave, Hobie Milner, and Jose Areña. I'll give you a scoreless inning as Gustave and Milner both allowed two base runners and Aldemont with that. You wound up seeing out there in the National League Central, the Chicago Cubs be able to get a 4-2 win over the Tampa Bay Rays. For the Rays, Shane McClanahan actually gave a good start in this one. Winds up giving up two runs, one of which was earned over the course of six innings. He did allow a yard ball as Patrick Wisdom goes deep off of him for some run season. Been a little bit of a struggle for Wisdom this season. And then Frank Schwindel, he would be able to get his second home run season. That came off of Javi Guerra in the eighth inning and really put this game away. He also did wind up having Jason Adam come out of the bullpen. He gave up a run in a third of an inning in Jeffrey Springs. Pair of outside the bullpen is... Boy, it has not been a good season thus far for a shortstop Taylor Walls. He is currently hitting for the Tampa Bay Rays team a buck 67, and he committed his third error of the season. And for the Cubs, Kyle Hendricks, a professor, would have liked to see him go deeper in this game. Typically, you don't see him go out after four and a third innings, but pitch count reached 90, gave up two runs in the process. But Keegan Thompson has actually become a little bit of a good Swiss Army knife guy for the team. Three and two thirds innings, scoreless, five punch outs, and then you end up having a save from David Robertson as he winds pitching a scoreless inning. So the Cubs, they have now scored four plus runs in eight out of their 10 games this season. Only other team that's been able to do that, by the way, is the. LA Dodgers. You wind up seeing the other LA team, the LA Angels, get pummeled by the Houston Astros. 8-3 to the final. Jordan Alvarez wound up missing a couple games due to COVID-19 and you know what? He made up for lost time. Got his second and third home runs of the season. He went deep off of Michael Lorenzen early on who gave up four runs over the course of three and a third innings and then he would take Archie Bradley cheap and Bradley gives up two runs in one and a third innings. You wind up having Austin Warren give up a run in two-thirds of an inning and got to the point and with Kenneth Rosenberg, who I believe was on the Tampa Bay Rays 48 hours ago, he got an inning. He gave up a run. Mike Myers 
Nothing funny about the fact that he got five outs without giving up a run. Mike Trout was out of the game in this one. He wound up taking a ball off the hand a few days ago against the Texas Rangers, but did have Max Hassey get his second home run of the season. That comes off of Luis Garcia. Had an okay start, not great, not terrible. Seven strikeouts in five and two-thirds innings, but did allow that home run in three runs in total. But Phil Mayton won in the third inning scoreless. Rafael Montero and Hector Neris both able to give you a scoreless inning as well. Not often you see this score out there in Coors Field as another under for the Colorado Rockies. 4-1, to they take it to the Philadelphia Phillies. And for the Phillies, Aaron Supernola. Two runs given up in five and a third innings of Coors is not bad. Going deep off of him, Charlie Blackman, first home run of the season, but he pitched fine. Jose Alvarado, two-thirds of an inning, scoreless out of the bullpen. You would like to see James Norwood not give up two runs in an inning on the bullpen, but Corey Knable, he comes in for a scoreless inning. Just absolutely nothing doing here for the Phillies. And Chad Cool, a guy that I always felt like the Pirates didn't utilize well enough, six scoreless innings, giving up two hits in the process. Tyler Kinley, Alex Kalman give you a scoreless inning. You did have Carlos Aceves give up a run in a third of an inning, but Ulysses Chassin was able to hold down the fort and the Colorado Rockies win this game despite going just 1 of 11 with men in scoring position. Here's a shocker. The Baltimore Orioles wind up losing again, but the real shocker here in this one is the fact that the Orioles still have not played in over this season. 5-1, to one, the Oakland A's wind up being able to get the job done. Spencer Watkins, actually not a bad start here for the Orioles. He gives up one run over the course of five innings and then Rudet Odor and Mr. Roman Urias make a pair of errors as you wind up having Joy Kreeble give up three unearned runs in two-thirds of an inning. And then Marco Stiplin, he winds up coming in. He gives a third of an inning. He gives up an unearned run. Keegan Aiken, who we thought was going to be the starter on Tuesday, comes in for two scoreless innings of relief. And then from there, you wind up having for the Oakland A's, Frankie Montas give up a one run over the course of six innings. You wind up having Justin Grimm out of the bullpen give you a scoreless inning. Domingo Acevedo along with Danny Jimenez. They wind up holding down the fort end for the Oakland A's. Big time beneficiaries of those two errors as they wind up having five hits in this game. They go two of six with Ben in scoring position. So they were able to get it done out there. The Slam Diego Padres were able to cover a run line. They take down the Cincinnati Reds by a count of four to one as Nick Lodolo wound up having a not so great start, giving up three runs over the course of five innings, including a long ball to Manny Machado, his second home run of the season. Bullpen from there wasn't bad. Buck Farmer, Hunter Strickland, they both give you a scoreless saying Reds bullpen in general. SNS have been great this year. Tony Santian does wind up giving up a run in an inning, but for the Reds, they entered into this game hitting below 200 as a collective, and they really didn't get a whole lot better as they wound up getting six hits in this one. Now, the good news is Tommy Pham, who came into this game hitting a 1-for-27 for the season. He goes 3-of-4, and he winds up hitting a home run, the lone run of the game for the team. That comes off of Sean Manea. Manea gives up all six of those hits in six innings, gives up that solo home run, and then from there, you wind up having Pierce Johnson coupled with Taylor Rogers and Stephen Wilson combined for three scoreless innings, one apiece from them, so they were able to get it done. And this is a game that's still going on. I need to post this up by midnight Pacific time, but you did wind up seeing in his return against the Atlanta Braves, still at home, but first game facing the Braves ever since he wound up moving on. That would be Freddie Freeman getting a home run off of his former team as the LA Dodgers were able to get the job done in this one. Freeman gets his first home run of the season. Clayton Kershaw, after he wound up having his near-perfect game bid, wind up getting taken away from him. Well, he gives up four runs over the course of five innings, including a pair of long balls. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Albies, Albies, Albies. Fifth home run in the season. And then Guillermo Heredia winds up getting his second home run of the year. And Waskar Yanoa. You know what? Ever since he wound up punching a bench in Milwaukee and breaking his hand, the guy hasn't been the same. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. 
three and two-thirds innings. He gives up five runs, all of which were earned, including that home run to Freeman, and he had four walks in the process. From there, Sean Newcomb comes in. He's able to give up one run and one and a third innings. A.J. Minter was able to give you a scoreless inning as well as you wind up getting an over in that one. And the Dodgers, they have now scored at least four runs in eight out of their first ten games. If you're taking a look at Major League Baseball in general, it certainly has been a case of which unders continuing to do very well. You've had for the season 82 unders and 58 overs, so that's right around a 58.5% clip to the under underdogs. They've been able to do a relatively solid job with the Atlanta Braves versus LA Dodgers game pending. You have noticed that favorites, they've gone right around 85 and 63, so hitting at about 57% for favorites, but when a lot of these underdogs are north of plus 150, they have come through. That lends you a little bit of profit, and what we all wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Monday was quite a few unders being able to prevail as well. We were limited to just eight games, but you wound up having five of those games, wind up going under the total, and favorites, they wound up having a little bit of a rough start to the day, but they were able to bounce back after three out of the first five underdogs wound up cashing on Monday. So that's what we want to seeing in Major League Baseball on Monday. Now let's turn it forward to Tuesday and let's talk about how to be able to gauge some doubleheaders with our good friend Jeff Parles of the Vegas Sense and Information Network. And is up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. 
Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy... Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's kid-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Eh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my game. <laughs> Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? 
Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. And it is great to be joined by our guests as this man does absolutely terrific work over there at the Vegas Ads and Information Network. Guys, we've got Jeff Parles joining me. You're able to follow him on Twitter at Easy Enough. 
Jeff Parles, and that is Jeff with a J, not a G-E. You're able to find him on the Vegas Ads and Information Network every Monday through Friday, helping out Gil Alexander with a numbers game. He's now doing some hosting over there with Point Spread Saturday. I'm sure that he'll occasionally be doing Point Spread Sunday as well, but I know that he's doing some great work over there on the weekends. And Jeff, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. That would be back-to-back early wake-ups if I'm doing point spread Sunday, too, Greg. <laughs> but always a pleasure. And, man, I, we're recording this on Monday. It's a shame that the Giants and Mets rained out tonight. But I guess that it's okay because we get two that we get to talk about today. Yes, it certainly does mean that we get to talk about two today. And I want to bring up that game for DK Nation as well. I had the over on six and a half. I felt like Alex Cobb going up against Tyler McGill. I recognize that. McGill has pitched very well this year, but those are two pitchers that did not ward a six and a half total. So I was really liking that. But let's talk about that doubleheader because now we've got nine inning doubleheaders once again this year instead of the stupid seven that we wound up having last season, which I was not a fan of whatsoever. And when it comes to handicapping these doubleheaders, I do think that it is intriguing because now you have to be gauging the bullpens a little bit more. You got to think that with it being early on in the season, teams are going to want to try to get as much length as humanly possible out of these starters, but most of these guys are not fully stretched out yet. So I really think if you're going to be handicapping these full games, you really have to be diving into the bullpens on these. Yeah, Greg, the big reminder here, first off, you're talking at least early in the season, starters have really not gone long. The perfect game that ended up not being one for Kershaw, Thanks, guys, for that. The other outings where we had multiple occasions where we had 14, 15 games on the schedule, no starter made it six, which is kind of crazy. I understand that we had a shortened spring training, but still kind of nuts, and I'm with you, Greg. The other thing, too, with with the bullpens is, Greg, doesn't it seem like the bullpens are significantly worse than they've ever been? And yeah. I don't know if that's just because I'm paying attention more league-wide since moving out to Vegas and trying to handicap this stuff. I don't know if it's because the truncated spring training. I don't know if it's because that about a third of the league doesn't care about winning right now. But it really does feel like that bullpens are really, really just not any good. And I'm not even sure, Greg, like if you have to close a game right now, period, who's the closer you're going to in baseball? And I'm feeling 100% confident they're going to get the job done. I don't know if there's anyone right now in baseball that I'm truly at that point because to me, I guess Liam Hendricks is considered the best closer in baseball at this point. You're forgetting I, Josh Hader. Yeah, I, Hader's number two for me, I guess. Hendricks, at least in the American League side, Greg, is considered the best closer in the American League. That guy scares the crap out of me. Hader, again, Hader's obviously dominant. He gives up some gopher balls, and that's basically the only way you beat him. But look, it really is kind of hard at this point to pick more than, what, two guys? You were pretty quick on Hader there, so I'll give you Josh Hader if you want to say he's the consensus number one closer in baseball. But then after that, man, like if Hendricks is the best closer in the American League, like a lot of people think, that's a tough go right now. What do you think the median bullpen ERA is currently in the MLB? 5-5. The median bullpen ERA, because you've got 15 and 16, the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox, 341 for the Astros and 348 for the Boston Red Sox. You've got one bullpen that's above a 535 ERA, and that would be the Texas Rangers. So maybe I'm just a little bit off with just with the way that the games I've happened to have this year, Greg, are the ones where the bullpens are imploding. But that's interesting. And look, pitchers are usually ahead of the hitters to begin with already, Greg, at least early on. But I guess it's just because 
of games I have had. I had the Nats over the weekend where they blew that game to Pittsburgh. Had the Mets the night that they blew that 5 nothing lead in the 8th. That's pretty interesting, Greg. That the bullpen ERAs are down considerably from where they're going to be when the season is over, where I would imagine that you would say, Greg, that more than half the league will be over 4-2 when this is all said and done. Yep, I don't doubt that they're going to be rising up, but currently you've only got nine bullpens that are above a 4-0-6 with regards to their bullpen ERAs. So they've actually not been too terrible. And surprisingly, the Rockies are number one in bullpen ERA with a 1-8-0, which I think that we can both agree that is not going to be lasting for the entirety of the season as we do have Jeff Parles joining me on the podcast. And I think that that leads to another big point. Don't take too much away from the numbers that we've got right now because most of these teams have played anywhere between 8 to 10 games. And when it comes to sort of this strange part of the season where you do wind up having about two weeks of data, but you've got all of last year's data, how do you wind up melding that together? Because I don't think that you want to completely ignore what we've got this season, especially if a guy winds up seeing a uptick in velocity, like I'm taking a look at Jesus Lazardo and the start that he's going to be having on Tuesday. And I do think that you need to take note that he looked really good in that start against Los Angeles after last year. It was a garbage season for him, but at the same time, I certainly don't think that one or two starts for these starters, eight to ten games for these hitters, should certainly be by any stretch of the imagination an end-all be-all. Well, hitters, definitely not, Greg, because the sample size is so screwy, at least in through the first month, you can't really tell. The biggest thing, and you mentioned it, the biggest thing to notice is if you have a guy, let's take Tyler McGill, for example, actually, who's going to end up going in one of the two games on Tuesday for the Mets after getting rained out. On Monday, McGill's fastball velocity is up a whole two miles an hour so far this year. I think it's technically 1.8, but regardless, let's round it up to two. That's a big difference for a guy who already has a perceived velocity that is pretty significant because he's a tall guy. You get him to a legit 98, 97 and a half where he's been at for most of this year, that makes a guy like that even more difficult to hit. Lazardo's a good guy. He's a good guy, Greg, for regression to the positive this year. Because he had a rough year last year, and he's a young guy with a lot of talent, uh, and it's just harnessing the talent. Obviously, one really good start so far. It's hard to obviously go off of just two back-to-back good starts, unless if you're going with the guys on the Giants, who seemingly always give you five good innings, regardless of who it is at this point. And then obviously, Rodon and have maybe two of the six best pitchers in the National League at this point. But it's just really hard to go off of what you see in just two starts, like you said, small sample size. And then I don't use that much from last year. My early season baseball handicap is tread carefully. In all honesty, I know this will be very scientific, Greg. I'm just looking for teams that are going to be good to potentially playoff teams and trying to load up on them early in the season as long as the pricing's not ridiculous. I know the A's have kind of screwed that up so far where the A's have this horrible roster on paper, but it played very well and won a series in Tampa, took games in Toronto over the weekend as well. But I'm really just trying to get teams that I think are going to be good and getting them early in the season because like messing around with like a Nationals Pirates game, which I did over the weekend, that's no fun, especially when you're dealing with two crappy teams. What are you talking about? That could be a whole bunch of fun, especially if you take the <laughs> over and they just wind up giving up 100 million billion runs. That's always a good time in my yeah, opinion. That, but... that did work. Because the game that the Nats had the bases loaded only got two in the first and then everyone just forgot how to pitch even further after that. That was a fun time. I'll give you that, Greg. I'll give you that. Yeah, that is always a really fun time as we do have Jeff Parles of V-CIN joining me right here on the podcast. And I do think the other game that we're going to be seeing in that Giants versus Mets game as well is going to be really interesting. That Logan Webb versus Mad Max Scherzer matchup. And 
Right now I'm seeing totals of six on this one. I and mean, it's as if they think that it's going to be a seven-headed game. I'm seeing a total of six. I don't know about you, but I do feel like unders are a good way to look at the beginning of the season. But I'm just taking a look at what we were getting for Monday, what we're going to be getting for Tuesday. And I think books might be overreacting a little bit to this binge of unders. And because we've seen so many unders and that the information is out there, I think now might actually be a good time to zig and take a look at some overs because we're seeing a whole bunch of seven ass. We're seeing a six in this spot as well. And I feel like the numbers have shifted a little bit too far to the under at this point. GP, we had a six and a half before that game got rained out on Monday. That shouldn't have been with, a six and a half. With, with, I mean, Cobb, Alex Cobb and Tyler McGill. How yeah, do you have I a know, six it, and a half? It was insane. We actually were talking about this on the numbers game. On myself, Gill, and Paul Spohr, that basically if McGill, and I know it was a six and a half minus 125 before it moved to seven, and then, of course, the game got postponed. But if that's a six and a half, Greg, correct me if I'm wrong here. I believe there was one five and a half last year. It was a game that Max Fried pitched for the Braves. I forget who the opponent was. I think it was DeGrom. It probably was DeGrom. That would make a lot of sense. And the game went over to five and a half, if memory serves me correctly. I was thinking that if, it, if for Scherzer and Webb, which, by the way, Scherzer has not looked great, but he still pitched pretty well in his two starts. Didn't really go all out with the hamstring bugging him in the first game against Washington. And then he looked much better, even though it was a little wild against Philadelphia. And then Logan Webb, who a lot of smart people are betting in the Cy Young market right now and I can't really argue with that if he can get a 15 to 1 we were thinking we we're gonna get a five and a half on that game I'm kind of surprised actually came in at six I'm not gonna bet this one I would be looking to attack the Cobb and McGill game I know Cobb is going in the early game to assume that the Mets are going to stick with McGill and have him throw the early game against Cobb that's what I would do if I were the Mets just go with your guys in order that they were supposed to and try to attack that game over Greg because if that's going to come in at a seven like it was going to be right now. I know you at six and a half in DK Nation, but at seven, I would imagine that would be an over still for you because that is too low. I would have guessed that would have been a seven and a half, eight with Cobb and McGill, especially again, I know the Giants pen is very good, but Cobb's probably only going to give you five innings here. Yep, I'm right there with you. At seven, it is still too low for me, so I'm going to be taking a look at an over in both of those games myself as we do have Jeff Parles of VSIN joining me right here on the podcast. And Jeff, just when it comes to what we've seen early on in the season with regards to some of these teams, it is, in my opinion, a little bit too early to be making like sweet me judgments on a team. But with that said, is there maybe a team or two that has come out and they've looked a little bit better slash a little bit worse than what you were thinking? Like for me, the Brewers, they've looked worse than I was thinking that they would be. I think that their starting pitching is going to be able to pick it up. And I think that a lot of this is a product of just these starters not being stretched out because they do rely so much on that. And I think that that has a lot to explain for their slow start to the season. But they are certainly a team that, at this point, I wouldn't say I'm pressing the panic button on, but I am monitoring a little bit more. Is there a team or two that might fall into that boat for you? I'll piggyback on the Brewers, and then I have two others after that, Greg. They're a team I expect to win their division pretty comfortably when it's all said and done. They're much more talented than everyone else in the NL Central. But they were a team I didn't really bet, haven't bet much early in the season because I was concerned about their offense. And that has been a very big concern so far for them. Their starters will be fine. Those guys are too good. Uh, the only thing is, as you know, Burns isn't going to throw a ton of innings. He just threw the least amount of innings for a Cy Young Award-winning starter ever for the non-pandemic season this past year. So you're going to be probably looking at Burns being in the same neighborhood. Woodruff will be fine. 
just an early season funk. He'll be okay. He looked better anyway in his second start after getting drilled at Wrigley in his first start of the year. On the bad side, the Yankees, their offense, that's a little alarming, Greg, what their offense has not done so far through these early season games. Uh, and it's weird because they have plenty of talent, as we know, but the way the roster is constructed, they have to sit one of their good players every single game. So it really just poor roster construction more than anything by the Yankees. And then on the flip side, the positive, it's the two teams that are going to be playing four in Queens this week. The Mets look, again, they've only played three games against a team that I think is going to be competitive. They played four against Washington, three against Arizona, and three against Philadelphia. But the Mets starters without the Grom, the lowest ERA ever through 10 games for the Mets for starting pitchers, which is obviously impressive with the Grom not there. Their lineup is getting clutch hits, which is something I don't remember them doing early in the season very often over my Mets watching, except for their very good teams, but kind of like 2006. Lindor kind of on that Beltron move here where Beltron struggled a lot in 05. Should have been the MVP in 2006. Uh, Lindor on that path so far. And then the Giants, who, Greg, kind of kicking myself early for not taking their win total over. They just had to be 15 games worse than they were last year, and they still would have gone over their win total. So I think the Giants and the Mets are legit. Obviously, the Dodgers are really good. The Rockies are off to a good start, but they'll fade. So I'm very impressed with the Mets and the Giants, and I think that will be as big of an April series as you can get, Greg, to see how good both of those teams truly are. And if one of the others ends up winning three out of four or somehow sweeps that series, we're going to know, oh, boy, this team's really going to be good and have a chance to catch the Dodgers and get the number one seed in the NL, which, as we know, Greg, it is awfully important to be the one or the two this year. Yep, and then obviously a series that we're going to be taking a look at between the Mets and the Giants. A lot of people are like, oh boy, the Giants are off to another odd start. Are they going to be regressing once again? And I feel like we might wind up having those discussions that we wind up having in 2021 on the Giants as they actually enter into the doubleheader 7-2 as well. So that's going to be really interesting to take a look at. You mentioned the Yankees, and boy, that is an offense that they're going to have some nights in which they put up double figures, and there's going to be some nights in which they wind up putting up a goose egg. But a man that is always consistent, a man that is always hitting darn near a 1,000 because the man is that good. That'd be you, Jeff Parles. You do an amazing job over there at the Vegas Ads and Information Network. Now you're doing some work on the weekends, mainly Point Spread Saturday. I know that you're probably going to be scattered around some other shows, especially when it comes to the summer months as well. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and just everything that's on tap for you. Yeah, at Jeff Parles on the tweets, the easiest way to get me on the air is a numbers game. As producer number five and eight. And then my weekend schedule's all over the place, Greg. Technically, Point Spread Saturday is my main show, but I haven't even hosted that show since our schedule has changed a little bit because I've been needed on other shows. So on Saturday, myself and Wes Reynolds have betting across America starting at noon Eastern. That will be the next hosting gig for me. I will say this, by the way, on Tuesday's card, I know we, we're short on time here. I am going to be looking to pick on Garrett Cole, who has not looked like himself so far this year. So maybe a small little play on the Tigers' money line. I know it's not a great start at her throwing in Alexander, but uh, maybe – it would probably end up being a run line play because I would imagine we get a pretty reasonable run line play getting a run and a half with the Detroit Tigers on a Tuesday in Motown, Greg. Yeah, minus 220 on the New York Yankees. That's way too much, in my opinion. So we are in lockstep there, and that's why we bring on our man Jeff Parles onto the show. He provides absolutely great insights, does a great job being able to take a look at the game of baseball, and you're going to be hearing him all summer long on the Vegas Asset Information Network doing a wide variety of shows. Man is the ultimate utility player 
for the Vegas Asset Information Network and always shows his five tools on this podcast as well. So big thanks to Jeff for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And coming up next, it is that time of podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zikazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game winner I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my, my dance, <laughs> Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. 
Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to That's my That's my dance, <laughs> From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. It is always a pleasure to get on our good friend Jeff Parles of the Vegas Sets and Information Network. Does a great job Monday through Friday helping out with our good friend Gil Alexander over there at the Numbers Game. He does a lot of work on the weekends with everything that we do over there at VEASAN. I know that he's been doing some work in recent weeks on Point Spread Sunday, VEASAN Bet Center, list goes on and on. Guy is a wealth of knowledge and always brings it right here on the podcast. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore 81. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order, aside from when we wind up getting the doubleheaders, because the doubleheader games, the ones that are going to be the ones that were supposed to be from yesterday, they are at the bottom of the rotation, but when it comes to what we wind up getting in Diamondbacks, Nationals, Giants versus Mets, I'm just going to clump both of those together 
because save some time. I'll be talking a lot about the same players in both of those games, and I want to be able to help differentiate the different games for you guys as well. So I will make a little bit of an exception there, but other than that, rotation order is where we wind up going. National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom, and we've really got one interleague game. That would be the Rays and the Chicago Cubs. So how about if we get started with 951-952 on the betting board? The St. Louis Cardinals are in the road face-off against the Miami Marlins. Jesus Lazardo is going to be going for the Fishies, and Adam Wainwright. Waino is going to be on the bump for St. Louis. Cardinals anywhere between minus 114 and minus 125 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Fish, it's anywhere between even money and plus 107. 8 is your total. Over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And I'm going to lay up to a minus 118 here with the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, I love the way that Asus Lazardo looked in his first start. He wound up going five innings against the LA Angels, and he wound up punching out 12. He looked absolutely tremendous and said he also did wind up having an ERA that was hovering right around 6 last year. So, I do think that Lozardo is able to turn over a new leaf. He has a lot of life on his fastball. He wanted being able to pick up the velocity, but now he's going to be facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals lineup that is pretty darn solid. You take a look at what you've been able to get here at the beginning of the season. Nolan Arenado already has 4 home runs and 12 RBI entering into Monday. Hitting a 433 guy has been terrific. Paul Goldschmidt, a little bit of a rough start to the year for him, but we saw it after July last season. He was hitting like a 330. Tyler O'Neill. This is a guy with good pop in the bat. Tommy Edmond already has three home runs. Albert Pools has went deep twice this year as well. And Dylan Carlson is the young guy that I think is going to be able to pick it up. And the Marlins just don't support their pitchers with necessarily great hitting. Orde Soler was able to get his first home run of the season. But it's really been Jazz Chislam along with Asa Sanchez who have been going yard for this team. Sanchez has been very good, by the way, hitting a 343. But Miguel Rojas, Jesus Aguiar, Avicio Garcia, Jacob Sellings. All guys that entering into Monday were hitting a 208 or lower. Garrett Cooper being back in the fold is nice, and you do have to like the fact that the Marlins have a relatively solid bullpen. The Anthony's Anthony Bender, Anthony Bass, Tanner Scott, Cole Solzer, these guys were able to give you some solid innings, but for the Cardinals, Giovanni Gallegos is someone that you're able to rely upon. Jordan Nix is now being used out of the bullpen where he belongs. He's able to give you now multiple innings, so that is good for the team. TJ McFarland has been able to give you some nice innings if you need some long relief. Jake Woodford is there for you as well. And Wayno, he wound up having a little bit of a rough go of it his last time out, but this is still a wily veteran that you know that he's not going to issue a lot of walks. He's going to be able to keep the ball in the yard. Not much of a swing and miss guy, but 13 strikeouts in 10 and uh, third innings this season. That is going to regress a little bit, but it's going up against a soft-hitting Miami Marlins lineup that they're playing in a pitcher-friendly ballpark. So I did wind up saying this total at a 7.7. I'm looking under. And with the St. Louis Cardinals, I'm willing to lay more like a 117, 118 with them. Seeing a lot of right around 114, 116s in this spot. So one to lay here with St. Louis, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under. Now we get one of those double dips. 953, 954, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Going to be in the road face-off against Washington Nationals. This is a late game, and right now we've got Tyler Gilbert going for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and then Johan Adon is going to be going for the Washington Nationals. And then the early game is actually the one at the bottom of the rotation, 981-982. This is what we were supposed to get yesterday. Madison Bumgarner going for the Diamondbacks, and Josiah Gray going for the Washington Nationals. We've got no numbers up on this Gray versus Bumgarner matchup, but if you take a look at what you wound up getting when this game wound up going off the board, total was anywhere between 8 and 8.5. The 8.5 had under juice of minus 115 to minus 120. The overs was anywhere between even a minus 105. On the 8s, flip it. Over was minus 115 to minus 120. Under was anywhere between even and minus 105. And you're finding the Nats as right around a minus 135 to minus 145 favors with the Diamondbacks anywhere between 
plus 125 and plus 130. And then if you take a look at this Gilbert versus Adol matchup, right now only DraftKings has an upper up on this game. Minus 120 on the Diamondbacks. Even money on the Nationals with a total of 9. Over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. And Whip Bumgarner versus Gray first, the one that's at the bottom of the rotation because this is the earlier of the games. This is a game that is going to be going off right around 1 p.m. Eastern time. So do take note of that. But I felt like Madison Bumgarner should have been the favorite in this spot because you take a look at Madison Bumgarner. Sure, he has not been great with the Arizona Diamondbacks. There is no if fans or buts about it. Last season, wanted to registering a 460-70 RA, not getting as many swings and misses as he used to towards the beginning part of his career with the Arizona Diamondbacks. So I got to walk rate that sub-3 for his career. It's more like a 4, so that is a little bit of an issue. And this is a Washington Nationals team that they do have a little bit of pop in their bats. Juan Soto already has a trio of home runs. He's been able to have a 400 on base, and then Take a look at some of the ancillary guys. Josh Bell, he had 27 home runs last season. He's hitting a 352 home run. Nelson Cruz, he wound up having 30 home runs last season. Off to a little bit of a rough start, but got to figure that he, Keeper Ruiz, Lane Thomas, guys that wanted to showing promise last season, they're going to be able to pick it up now at the bottom. Victor Robles, Alcides Escobar, these guys are not necessarily great, but you do have to like the fact that they got more than the Arizona Diamondbacks that you take a look at their team batting average. It is currently a buck 52. It is really, really sad, but you know, it's a good elixir to that. A guy in Josiah Gray that Forrest Greer is giving up right around 1.8 home runs per nine innings. He's got a 40 RA this season. Last season when he was up at the big league level, boy, it was not going well from. He had an ERA that season that hovered right around six and a career strikeout to walk rate of a 2.3. This guy just gives up bombs. And for the Washington Nationals, it is the worst bullpen out there in the big leagues, in my opinion. At the very least, one of the bottom five. Kyle Finnegan, Sean Doolittle, they're doing very little for you. They're very long in the tooth. Steve Ciszek, he just has not been good this season in general. He's just gotten up there in years at 35. And then you got guys like Victor Arano, Tanner Rainey, who wound up having a north of 70 RA last season. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, the bullpen is not great, but... Because the Arizona Diamondbacks are so stupid with the way that they wind up having guys go from bullpen to starting to back to the bullpen to starting, you might be able to get a little bit of length here out of some of these guys. Like J.B. Wendelkin, Noe Ramirez, these are more one-inning guys, but if you need Matt Peacock for a few innings, you're able to get him for a few innings. Corbin Martin is someone that's able to come out of the bullpen for three innings. That's a good luxury to have in a doubleheader game, and these are going to be nine-inning doubleheaders, so I do think that that is actually something very important to take note of. Then you take a look at the lineup itself. You You've got Ketel Marte, who last season he was a part of the Marte Parte, and he was able to give the team 14 home runs. That's the most of any player that is returning, but that said, I've got more faith here in Madison Bumgarner rather than Josiah Gray, so this is the spot in which I was taking a look at the over because I mean, it's a case in which Bumgarner, not just the same that he once was, so it was a total I wanted setting at a 9.3, and I made the Diamondbacks a minus 102 favorite, and then you take a look at this Gilbert versus Ado matchup, and it's a case of small sample size for both of these guys because Tyler Gilbert wound up making his name last season because he wound up having that absolutely insane no-hitter that he wound up throwing. And then you've got Yohan Adon, who he really didn't pitch above the high-A level before he wound up getting his debut against the Boston Red Sox as well. But Adon, at the very least, he's got a little bit of a sample size this season. Last season, you take a look at him, and he wound up having just that one start. But for Adon, two starts this season, has pitched a grand total of nine innings, giving up ten runs. Not necessarily great there, giving up three home runs. But take a look at Gilbert, and he was banged up throughout much of spring training. Has yet to make his start at the big league level this season. Now, in the starts that he wanted making last year, it was actually relatively rock solid. On giving up three earned runs or fewer in each out of his final three starts. So, was able to do a nice job being able to hold down the fort after he did wind up having that absolutely ridiculous no-hitter. But, 
You do take a look at the Diamondbacks lineup and just one throw it. Not necessarily so great. And I do think that with the Washington Nationals, the one thing that they do have at their disposal is that they are probably going to be able to have Adon be able to give them a little bit more length in this spot. I think that that's going to be big because these are going to be nine inning double headers. And even something like Apollo Espinel could be something that winds up piggybacking with you on Adon as well. So in the Adon versus Gilbert matchup, would be willing to take the Washington Nationals because right now the lone place I'm seeing this is at DraftKings. I want to take the Nationals. Nationals at minus 114 with a total of 9.2. So, 9 or lower, we'll be taking a look at an over 9.5 or higher. We'll be taking a look at the under. And right now at DraftKings, we're seeing that total at a 9. So, I'd be taking a look at that over. So, in the Bumgarner matchup, we'll be taking a look at the Diamondbacks and Adon Gilbert looking at the Nationals and looking over on both of these right now. But, obviously, subject to a little bit of change. Now, we've got the other double dip. These are always confusing, but 9.55, 9.56. That is going to be the late matchup between the San Francisco Giants in the road against the New York Max Scherzer and Logan Webb are going to be going in that one. And then you've got the early game of 983-984. Alex Cobb and Tyler McGill. That is going to be the matinee game with the Giants. Closing when we wind up seeing this game get postponed as right around about a plus 110 to a plus 112-ish underdog. You are seeing the mess in a lot of places right around between a minus 118 to a minus 123. The total of 6.5 had moved to 7 with a lot of 7s at minus 115 to minus 110 juice. Over was anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And then if you're taking a look at this Scherzer versus Logan Webb matchup, we were talking about Jeff Parles. Curly Tillel is at 6 with the over anywhere between minus 115 to minus 120. Under is anywhere between even and minus 105 with the New York Mets right now. Anywhere between minus 125, minus 130. Web and company between plus 105 and plus 115. Let's take a look at the early game first between Cobb and McGill. And in this one, I did wind up saying the Giants at a plus 106 underdog. So if we wind up seeing similar numbers to what we wind up seeing on the close yesterday, I'm going to be taking a look at the San Francisco Giants and I'm going to be back on the over. We were talking about Jeff and I'll tell you right now, I'm going to be looking at both of these totals over because I think that we've just went a little bit too ridiculous with regards to it. These totals They've just been piled driven down too much. Alex Cobb on the road while he was with the LA Angels last season. Wound up having a north of 5 ERA while he was on the road at home. Was relatively solid. And to Alex Cobb's credit, over 9 strikeouts per 9 innings for his career. More like 7 punch-outs per 9 innings. So had a little bit of an advantage. Finding a little bit of the fountain of youth. And Tyler McGill, once again, 2 starts. Has yet to give up a run. That's terrific. But that wound up being against the Philadelphia Phillies and the Washington Nationals. And just too small sample size after what we wound up seeing last season as well. Because in 2021, this is a man that he wound up posting up an ERA that was hovering a little bit closer to a 4.5. And what really wound up killing Mr. McGill was the deep ball. In 18 starts, gave up 19 homers over the course of 89 and two-thirds innings. 2.7 walks per nine innings. You're certainly able to live with that. But I actually had a little bit of a higher home ERA rather than a road ERA. And both of these teams... They're able to do a solid job with BLB. Francisco Lindor seems to be finding that form that he wound up having with the Cleveland Indians. He's already got a trio of home runs. Also have a trio of home runs for Pete Alonso. Alonso's not hitting for great average. Lindor more on a 275, but both of these guys getting it down in terms of power. And then Brandon Nimmo along Jeff McNeil, both hitting above a 333. Starling Marte has some of the best wheels out there in the game of baseball. He's already got a pair of steals on the season for himself. And then Take a look at the San Francisco Giants. You want a team with a really good offense since the beginning of last season. This team is in the top three with regards to home runs per game on the road. You've got Joey Bart, Jock Peterson, both with a pair of home runs. Both of these guys with at least a 385 on base. Brandon Belt, 441 on base. He's went deep three times this season. Thario Estrada has a pair of home runs. Ian Wilmer Flores, both hitting just a 241. You got to figure that that's going to be on the uptip. Darren Ruff. 
last season was able to do a good job as a little bit of more of a platoon guy, only getting a buck seventy six. But you got to figure that he and Mike Kostromski going to be able to pick it up as well. And then you take a look at both of these bullpens. And for the Giants, they've seen a little bit of a fall from last season, but it's hard to maintain being the only bullpen from last season that wound up having an ERA that was sub three. You got a guy in Tyler Beattie that's going to be able to give you multiple innings. That's going to be big here in these double dips. Tyler Rogers along with Dominique Leon, Jarlin Garcia. List goes on and on of guys that you're going to be able to utilize. And for the New York Metropolitans, losing Aaron Loop, Miguel Castro. List goes on. That is tough. Now Seth Lugo is able to give you multiple innings. Adam Adovino, you got to figure it's going to be used. Sean Revoy is someone that you can look for a little bit of length as well. But this has been a Mets bullpen that has been one of the lesser ones out there in the big league. So I'm going to be look, looking at it over in this spot. Set the Giants at a plus 106. So if we get some more numbers to what we wound up seeing yesterday, I'm going to be taking a look at the San Francisco Giants. And then when it comes to Scherzer versus Webb, once again, I do think that both of these guys are going to be able to fire a good game. But do you know how hard it is to hit it under on a total of six? I mean, if both teams wind up getting the three, your total is just toasted right there. So I wound up saying this total at a 7.8. I'm looking over it. With the Giants, I felt like they should have been a little bit closer to a plus 136 underdog because Logan Webb has been absolutely lights out at home. As a matter of fact, in regular season games, the San Francisco Giants have not lost since... 2020 in a game in which he's appeared at home. That is absolutely insane. You have to go up against Max Scherzer, though. And I do think that there's a little bit of fear that with Max Scherzer getting a little bit older, he might wind up breaking down towards the end part of the season. But, I mean, this is still Max Scherzer, ladies and gentlemen. He's given up one home run in 11 innings thus far this season. Had a little bit of command issues in that start against Philadelphia Phillies. But, I mean, it's still Max Scherzer. He's still throwing in the high 90s with regards to his fastball. 13 strikeouts in 11 innings. I don't have any doubts with him whatsoever being able to go seven strong. If there's one guy that you don't have to worry about length, it is Max Scherzer. And I do take a look and I recognize that New York is very pitcher friendly. But I mean, even in the last matchup, the Max Scherzer wound up pitching in. That was a 9 6 game against the Phillies. It was 7 3 against the Nationals on opening day. So he's already pitching a pair of overs. Logan Webb, first start of the season, that was a 6 5 game against the Miami Marlins as well. He's only given up two runs that they will go grand total 14 innings. But that said, I do think that both of these guys have a good possibility of giving up multiple runs because along with these guys being good starters, they're also going up against good lineups as well. So it's a case in which I'm going to be willing to lay with the Mets. I think the Max Scherzer should be able to perform very well out there in New York. And I just think we've went too low with these totals. I'm going to be taking a look at the over as well as we move on to 957, 958 on the betting board. And the good news for you guys is we have cleared all the double headers for the day. So now it's able to be a little bit more traditional with the breakdowns as the Pittsburgh Pirates walk the plank to the road to face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. One Cobin Burns going to be going for the Bruku, and we got JT Brubaker is going to be on the bump for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is finding themselves as one of the biggest underdogs on the board, anywhere between plus two dollars and plus two fifteen. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the crew, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus two thirty-two and minus two fifty-five. Dolan's game is seven and a half over and under anywhere between minus one hundred five and minus one fifteen. And if you're looking at the Brewers run line, by the way, pretty much across the board, you're finding it at a minus one twenty-five and. The minus 125 is pretty much the max I'm willing to lay on a Brewers run line, but I'm willing to lay a minus 125 on the Brewers run line. I set it at a minus 127 with a money line on the Brewers. Set it more around a minus 243, which means we got to get up about 30 cents before I could even entertain the Pittsburgh Pirates because JT Brubaker, this guy is just not good to say the least. I was really hoping that this guy would blossom in. And in 2020, he showed some nice signs of promise, but you take a look at what Brubaker wound up doing on the road last season. 678 ERA. 
Gave up 18 bombs in 65 innings with opponents hitting a 273 off of him. And he still had north of three walks for nine innings. Nice to go up against a guy in Corbin Burns who actually pitched a little bit worse at home than he did on the road. But still, by worse at home, I'm meaning that in 2021, Corbin Burns had a 285 home ERA and gave up three home runs in 88 and a third innings with opponents hitting a 220. So, I mean, yeah, that's just a complete and utter mismatch. And this Pittsburgh Pirates team, they're just sad and pathetic right now. I will say for the Pirates, the bullpen is not terrible. David Benar is able to give you a few innings. Anthony Banda has actually proven to be okay out there in the bullpen. Chris Strand is able to give you a nice inning or two, but with the Milwaukee Brewers, you've got Devin Williams, who has looked a little bit shaky, but you know that he's going to be able to find it at some point. I think that he's still dealing with that injury that wound up ending his season last year. That could be an explanation for that. Josh Hader is absolutely tremendous for this team. They've actually been able to get some good innings out of Trevor Gott, who you may recall in 2020, he was just giving up gopher ball after gopher ball for the San Francisco Giants, but they've done a good job of being able to have reclamation projects like he, Brad Boxberger, Jay Cousins has done a good job out there in the bullpen, and becomes the Brewers. The big concern that you have is the bats. Are they going to be able to put up multiple runs and be able to get a multiple run win? Because, I mean, this is a case in which the Pittsburgh Pirates, I'm not sure if they wind up getting a three in this spot. The 3.1 with regards to their team total, I said on the spreadsheet, that's the lowest I've given to any team this season. They're just eh, not good, but with that said, with the Brewers, it's been a little bit rough for them. You take a look at their lineup and what they want to trotting out there on Monday. Not a single guy that's hitting above a throne. Lorenzo Kane, Jace Peterson, Omar Narvaez, William Thomas, Colton Wong, all guys hitting at 225 or lower, but Andrew McCutcheon's been able to get on base. Roddy Tellez is able to give you a little bit of power. Christian Yelich is not hitting for average, but he is able to draw some walks in. They're going up against JT Brubaker, which that helps you out as well. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Cabrian Ace, right now hitting nearly a 400 along Michael Chavis. These two guys have been absolutely tremendous for the team. Daniel Vogelback, the former Milwaukee Brewers, has been able to give you a little bit of life as well. Jake Marizic is always a guy that I've liked out there in the outfield. And Brian Reynolds, someone that wound up hitting a three-arm last season. Problem is, for the Pirates, you really don't have anyone that's really able to take you deep. So, as a issue right there, they wind up saying my total at a 7.6 because I think the Brewers are going to be able to get their bats right against the Pittsburgh Pirates. And once again, this is going to be a case in which minus 125 is pretty much the max that I'd be willing to take the run line on, but I am going to be willing to take the minus 125 run line on the Brewers despite the fact that they're at home just because JT Burbaker sinks that much. So, look at Brewers run line and we're looking over. And 59.960 on the banging board, the Philadelphia Phillies in the red face off against the Colorado Rockies. Kyle Freeland is going to be going for the Rockies, and you've got Mr. Kyle Gibson, who's going to be on the bump for Philadelphia. Philadelphia is finding themselves as a minus 127 to minus 130 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Rockies, it's anywhere between plus 110 and plus 120. 11 is your total over and under both at minus 110 across the board. I do mind him saying this total at a 10.4. I'm going to be taking a look at the under with Kyle Freeland. He's always been able to do a solid job of being able to pitch at all, man. I have no idea how, but... It, it seems like we've seen a situation which the Colorado Rockies just pitch better at home rather than on the road, which even when you're used to it, pitching at elevation like that, it is not easy. They just have the most demonstrative home and road splits in the league. And going into their game yesterday against the Philadelphia Phillies, the Rockies had the number one bullpen ERA in the big leagues. Once again, I don't think that that's going to last, but Freeland at home last season, a 483 ERA, did give up 11 home runs over the course of 59 and two-thirds innings, but did a good job being able to keep the walks down overall for the season in his 23 starts. 38 walks in 120 and two-thirds innings, so command was there for him. And then take a look at Kyle Gibson, his last start, 
They wound up having to begin the season against the Oakland A's. Seven scoreless against the Oakland A's. That was terrific. And then winds up getting lit up a little bit by the Miami Marlins. But I think that he's going to be able to bounce back a little bit more in this spot now. You do take a look at the Colorado Rockies. Going into yesterday, C.J. Crone wound up having five home runs in the first nine games of the season at, at home in Coors Field last season. Wound up having a 420 on base for the team. Randall Gritchick, a little bit of an acquisition. He's sitting right around 300 for the team along with Elias Diaz. So they've been able to step up. You've got Mr. Jose Iglesias, who's back with the Colorado Rockies. He's been able to do a solid job along Connor Joe. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies, it's been a rough start to the season for Kyle Schwarber, but you got to feel like he's going to be able to pick it up. Losing Gene Segura has been a little bit tough. He's currently out due to an injury. Alec Bohm, it's not been good out there in the field, but actually at the plate has been very good for the team. Nick Cassianos, Bryce Harper, you know that these guys are going to hit. They're both going to be able to supply a north of 275 average. Both of these guys, when it's all said and done, 30-plus home runs for them. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, they did a good job of being able to upgrade their bullpen in the offseason, bringing in Jersich, Familia, Brad, and you've got now even a guy in Corey Canable who's able to close out games. That's nice. Sir Anthony Dominguez is still there, so I do think that they've got some relative promise there, but Kyle Gibson, a little bit of a streaky pitcher. Kyle Freeland, he can have his ups and his downs as well, but Freeland, I trust in what he's made to do at Colorado. Colorado is a team that they just play differently home to road more so than any other team in baseball because of that elevation and when you wind up having the games in Coors Field in April, they just play differently than they do towards the back half of the season. The ball doesn't fly as much, so do you mind up saying my total at 10.4? I'm looking at the under. And with the Rockies, set them more around a plus 107-ish, so I'm going to be one take north of plus 110 with them. 961-962 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds, yes, we are on the Cincinnati. They're under the road face-off against the Slam Diego Padres. Joe Musgrove is going to be going for the pods, and Riviera San Martin is going to be going for the Red Legs. Reds are finding themselves in between plus 155 and plus 175 underdogs. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the pods, it's anywhere between minus 172 and minus 186 with your total on this game, 7.5. The over and the under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. With the Padres, I did wind up making them more on a minus 188 favorite on the money line in this spot, and if you're taking a look at the run line, Currently finding this anywhere between a plus 115 to a plus 120, and I was willing to lay up to a minus 170 here with the San Diego Padres, so I'm going to be taking a look at the run line with Slam Diego. Yes, Revier San Martin, he actually wound up having an opener come in from him in the last appearance that he wanted making. I was going to say start, but technically was not a start. They wanted making against the LA Dodgers. He did wind up going five scoreless, but that said, the opener, Luis Cecil, wound up giving up three runs beforehand, and then the bullpen, they just wound up being renamed Hickory because they wound up getting smoked afterwards. So that was not necessarily so great, and I take a look at St. Martin. He's got good stuff, but at the same time, you've got some massive question marks with regards to the command. He's got seven walks in 19 innings throughout his short, short MLB career. He's been able to keep the ball in the yard, but does allow for quite a bit of hard contact as well. So I do think that that's going to be a little bit of an issue. And you take a look at Joe Musgrove, and he has been absolutely tremendous ever since coming over to the San Diego Padres. You take a look since the beginning of last season. His ERA is hovering right around a 305 with the team. Has done a nice job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Gives up right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings. And you do take a look at the San Diego Padres lineup, no question. Not necessarily the same without Fernando Tatis Jr., but you wound up having Manny Machado entering into the game yesterday, hitting above a 3 Eric Hosmer has actually been able to put back to ball thus far. 
Got to be wondering if some of those outfield guys like Trent Grisham, Will Myers, if they're going to get back to what they were a few seasons ago. But you've been able to have C.J. Abrams be able to come through for this team. Jerickson Profar has been able to give you a trio of home runs. And for the Cincinnati Reds, this is a team that entering into what we wound up seeing on Monday, they were hitting as a collective a buck 80 with a 254 on base. So they're not even drawing walks at this point. You wound up having two guys in Brandon Drury, Cupper with Tyler Stevenson. They entered into Monday with two home runs, but the fact that they wind up selling off Jesse Winker, Nick Asianos, and Eugenio Suarez, now you're really relying upon Joey Votto to be able to come through. And he had 20 home runs after the All-Star break last season, but he wound up entering in yesterday at 4 of 34. And Tommy Fan starts out the year 1 of 26, and that's just absolutely terrible right there. And then you take a look at the Reds' bullpen. It's one of the worst out there in the big leagues. Tony Santian is one of your more trustworthy guys. You've been having to rely upon Buck Farmer to be able to give you some good innings. I actually like Art Warren. He's had a little bit of a rough start to the season, but he's halfway decent. But when you're relying upon Dari Moretta for good innings, that's not great. And this is a Padres bullpen that is one of the best out there in the big leagues. Tim Hill is someone that I'm a little bit lukewarm on, but Taylor Rogers is able to come in. He's able to hold down the fort. They've got big things for Robert Suarez playing. Pedro Avila is able to give you a good inning or two. I even like what you're able to get out of Pierce Johnson. So I do take a look at the Padres. I think that they should be in domination mode right here. I'm willing to take the run line, even knowing that they're going to perhaps not be able to get those last at-bats in the ninth inning. I think that they should be able to get to Sam Martin and what is a really terrible bullpen. And I did wind up saying this little at an 8.1. I do think that the Reds are going to be able to get online a little bit more with the bats, but instead I also think that the Padres are going to do a good job of just pounding this bad bullpen. So I take a look at this spot, and I'm going to be taking a look at the run line of the Padres, and we're going to be going over as well. 963-964 on the bang board. The Atlanta Braves hit the road to face off against the LA Dodgers. Walker Buehler is going to be going for the Dodgers, and Max Fried is going to be on the bump for the Braves. Your total on this game is 8. The overs anywhere between minus 115 and even money. The unders anywhere between minus 120 and minus 105. And for the Dodgers, you're going to be getting them in between minus 150 and minus 160. Plus price here with headline anywhere between plus 135, seeing as high as a plus 145. And with the Braves, I need a plus 146 to be able to take a shot on them. So right now, I'm not able to pull the trigger on the money line. If we're taking a look at the run line, Right now, we're seeing in a lot of spots the LA Dodgers anywhere between plus 135 and plus 140. I needed at least a plus 132, and well, at plus 135, that's a little bit north of that, so I would actually be entertaining right now a play on the LA Dodgers run line. Now, if we wind up seeing this come down more because the opener was minus 160, I've got my money line at minus 146, so if this winds up becoming more like Dodgers minus 140, I'd be taking a little bit more of a look at the money line, give myself a little bit of cushion, but this is a Dodgers team that they have been the most consistent offense out there in the big leagues. Going into yesterday, in seven out of their nine games, they have been able to put up at least four runs. Only other team to do that is the Chicago Cubs, by the way, which I find that to be a little bit insane, but you've got the Death Star. When it comes to the LA Dodgers and this lineup, you've got now Cody Bellinger actually looking like a little bit more of the Cody Bellinger of old Gavin Lux entered in yesterday with right around a 450 on base. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Justin Turner down for what? Trey Turner down for what? Will Smith, Max Muncy, all these guys when it's all said and done. They're going to hit for 20 plus homers. They're going to hit for 260 plus. And then with the Atlanta Braves, you do have some offense with this team as well. Marcelo Zuna along with Ozzy Albies. They wound up entering into Monday with four home runs apiece. Matt Olson, Austin Riley. Both of these guys have been getting on base. Both of these guys have a pair of home runs. Adam Duvall, we all know the power that he's got in his bat. Now, you're having to rely upon Guillermo Redia, Danzy Swanson at the bottom of the lineup. They've been a little bit tough to get started in for the Atlanta Braves. I do like this bullpen. I think that it's going to be a case in which it's going to be interesting to see if Kenley Jansen comes into any of these games because he's typically a closer, but you got to figure that the Braves want to be able to get him out there against his former team, but... 
You take a look at what you're able to get out of Darren O'Day. You take a look at what you're able to get out of Tyler Madzik, A.J. Minter. These guys are relatively solid, but for Max Freed, ever since the beginning of the postseason last year, it's been a little bit inconsistent, and that was shown in the first start of the season against a red team that they really can't hit to save their lives. Wanted giving up three runs, two of which were earned against the Washington Nationals in the next start, but first start, five runs given up against one of the worst offenses in the league. He hasn't been sharp coming out, and for Walker Buehler, this is someone that he wound up having a little bit of a rough end to the 2021 season, but that said, first two starts, wound up giving up two runs at each of them. One of those was at elevation at course. Absolutely no shame in giving up two runs at five plus innings when you wind up going to Coors Field. Does a good job being able to keep the ball in the yard. The five blocks being in the season, a little bit tough, but a guy that has very good swings and missed stuff, and for the LA Dodgers, this is a top three bullpen in the league. Phil Bickford, Justin Brule, they're very underrated pieces, but we all know about Craig Kimbrell. We all know what you're able to get out of Blake Trine. These guys are terrific. Bruce Gradrell is able to hit triple digits as well, so I do take a look at this spot, and at current numbers, I'd be taking a look at the Dodgers' run line if this continues to come down, because we've already seen it in a lot of places, right around an 8 or so cent move. This comes down to more like a minus 140, even up to a minus 145. We'll be looking at Dodgers' money line, but as it stands right now, we'll be looking at the run line. semi total at a 7.8. I do think that both of these starters are going to be able to deliver a solid performance. I think the Bueller is going to be better, so looking under and looking Dodgers run line as of now. 965-966 on the bank board. The Cleveland Guardians are going to be playing us to the Chicago White Sox. Dallas Keuchel is going to be going for the Sucks, and Shane Bieber fever is going to be on the bump for Cleveland. Cleveland is finding themselves in between minus 132 and minus 140 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the White Sox, you're going to be finding them in between plus 122 and plus 130. 7.5 is your total. Under any Anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The offers anywhere between even a minus 110. And I did wind up saying my total at a 7.8 in this spot. I'm going to be taking a look at the over because with the Guardians, they've been surprisingly good with regards to bats. Now, I do think that regression is going to be setting in a little bit with this Guardians team. You're not going to have Stephen Kwan hitting nearly a 400 for the rest of the season. And Owen Miller is right now hitting a 500. How Owen Miller is hitting a 500, I have absolutely no idea. Do I think that he could bust out and have a relatively solid year? Absolutely. Do I think he's hitting a 500? No, but you take a look at Jose Ramirez. Once again, he's not hitting a 457, but we all know that he's one of the better hitters in baseball. He's already got a trio of home runs, 15 home runs to begin the season. Then you take a look at the White Sox, and this is a team that they do face righties a little bit differently than they face lefties. They have their issues when they do face off against right-handed pitching, and for the White Sox, this is a team that they're hitting at 228 right now with a 276 on base. They don't necessarily do a great job of being able to draw walks. Tim Anderson, he's been able to hit a 393 for this bunch, which then has been absolutely terrific for them, but you've only got one other guy that has logged more than 20 at-bats this season that is hitting above a 212. And that would actually be Andrew Vaughn, who's been able to give you a pair of home runs this season. Luis Robert has been off to a little bit of a tough start to the season. You know that Jose Abreu is going to be able to pick it up, but he, Eloy Jimenez, it's been a little bit rough going for them. You guys, Vani Grandal, I expected regression here. He wound up hitting like a 240 last season, but it wound up having a 420 on base. That's just not sustainable. And then you take a look at this Guardians bullpen, and it's one of the better ones that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. Emmanuel Classe, he is a lights-out closer, a top-five closer in my opinion. Trevor Steven is able to give you a couple solid innings. Nick Sandlin, he's able to come in, hold down the fort, and even Connor Pilkington, their young prospect, I think that he's going to be able to do some good things moving forward, and for the White Sox, I have to disagree with Jeff Parles. I do not think that Liam Hendricks is the number one closer out there in the big leagues, and he's right now got a 540 ERA. It's been a little bit of tough sliding for him to begin the season. I do like the fact that they've got Kendall Graveman to be able to pair with him. Kyle Crick, he's had a little bit of a rough start to the season. He's going to be able to pick it up. Jose Ruiz, Bennett Sousa, these guys 
guys were able to give you some relatively solid innings, but I do take a look at Shane Bieber. Wound up having a little bit of a condensed start to begin the year, four and two-thirds innings against the Royals. He's starting to come back from injury, but I do think that he's going to be able to find it. He's a guy that just throughout his career in general, you take a look at what he's been able to do. Strike out to walk rate of a 5.4. This guy just winds up getting punch outs. Last time he wound up pitching a full season in 2019, had 259 strikeouts of 40 walks. I don't know if he's ever going to quite get back to that form, but I'm going to be a believer in this spot. I'm willing to lay up to minus 142 with your, here with the Guardians. Don't want the run line because I do think that this might be a little bit of a tighter game, so I'm going to take the money line of the Guardians. So my total at 7.8 as well, so looking over as well. 967, 968 on the main board. The New York Yankees set the road face off against the Detroit Tigres. Garrett Cole is going to be going for the Yankees, and you've got Tyler Alexander is going to be on the bump for the Tigres. Tigers are finding themselves in routine plus 180 and plus 195. Meanwhile, with the Yankees, saying we're between minus 210 and minus 225. It is your total over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And I do not understand the Garrett Cole love in this spot. Garrett Cole is being completely overpriced. This is a Tigers team that they're probably going to be right around 500 when it's all said and done, and the Yankees are going to be a bit above 500, but Garrett Cole is not the pitcher that he once was. Ever since the sicky stuff wound up coming out, he's had a north of 4 ERA. And you take a look at his first three starts of the season, three runs given up in four innings against the Red Sox, three runs of five and two-thirds against the Toronto Blue Jays. You're able to make the case that, yeah, these are very good lineups, but he's given up three bombs in nine and two-thirds innings. The spin rate is way down with Garrett Cole. I need to see it to believe it before I'm able to back him at these just absolutely ridiculous prices. And then you take a look at Tyler Alexander. Yeah, this is not necessarily the Mona Lisa Vito of pitching or a Cy Young Award winner or anything like that, but you take a look at what he wound up doing during the 2021 season, and he was solid. He wound up sort of splitting time as a starter and a reliever. They wind up giving up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings, but more like 2.6 walks per nine innings. Opponents hit a 255 off of him. He was able to hold down the fort, give you professional innings, and hand it off to a Tigers bullpen that I think many would be surprised since the All-Star break last season. A top 10 bullpen with regards to ERA. Ronnie Garcia was a number one pick in the Rule 5 draft a few seasons ago. He's able to give you some solid innings. Jacob Barnes, Josh Foley, they're able to come in and hold down the fort. Gregory Soto was an all-star last season. That's a good bullpen. And for the New York Yankees, Jonathan Blyzga did wind up up chucking all over himself towards the back half of that series against the Orioles, but he's still solid. Aroldis Chapman, you just can't have any faith in him since June of last season. He's got a walks per nine rate of right around seven and a half, and he's got an earth of five ERA, but who you can have trust in, Michael King, you're able to take a look at someone like a Lucas Lutke who's able to give you some good innings. And it is a good Yankees bullpen, but we were talking about with Jeff Barles. This is a Yankees lineup that they're not hitting very well right now. They have scored one run or fewer in two out of their last three games against the Orioles. They have scored four runs or fewer in all but two of their games this season and won those games. Wound up going to extra innings. It's very much a boomer bust lineup and right now they're busting because guys like Joey Gallo just keep on punching out. They're hitting at 229 as a collective and you got to figure that the home run power is going to be there a little bit later on in the season. I do like Anthony Rizzo. Three home runs already for this team. John Carlos saying he's gotten off to a solid start. He's hit it for a pair of home runs. Josh Donaldson, he's hitting a 200. You know that that's going to pick up Aaron Judge. He's only got one home run. You know that he's going to do a little bit better. But Joey Gallo's a guy that I just was never bullish on in general. A guy that for his career has more singles than home runs. He's right now got as many home runs as myself, and that makes him as useful as a poopy-flavored lollipop. So not necessarily so great there. DJ LeMayu, Isaiah Kinnerfalefa. You need these guys to be able to get on base. And for the Tigers, Spencer Torkelson, after a really rough first start, week of the season. He's been able to pick it up. He's now been able to give the team a pair of home runs. He's showing why he was the number one overall pick in the draft a few seasons ago. Austin Meadows, he's hitting a 417 right now. You've got to feel like Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Akil Badu are going to be able to pick it up a little bit. It's a Tigers team that entered into Monday hitting a 201, but 
Javi Bias, him being out of the fold, that does wind up hurting the Detroit Tigers team a little bit, but I still think that with the Tigers, even without him, are just being badly undervalued. Garrett Cole is not the guy that he once was. I did wind up saying this, although I had an 8.3. I think that the Yankees get a little bit more online with regards to their bats, so I'm looking at an over, and I'm looking at the Detroit Tigers in the spot. 969-970 on the betting board. The Boston Red Sox are going to be playing us to the Toronto Blue Jays. You say Kikuchi is going to be going for the Jays, and Anthony Evaldi is going to be on the bump for Boston. Boston is finding themselves in between minus 135 and minus 145 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Jays, you're going to be finding them in between a plus 124 and a plus 130 with your total on this game. Nine and a half, heavily juicy under. Under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 130. The over is anywhere between even at plus 110. Seeing straight nine out there as well. That over is minus 120 and the under is even. And when it comes to the Blue Jays, they open up right around a plus 125. If we could get them more around a plus 133-ish, I'd be willing to take a shot here. We've got to expect a little bit of an overnight line move because when it comes down to it right now, I'd be probably taking a look at a little bit more of a plus 140 year with the Boston Red Sox as I did wind up saying their run line at a plus 138, but I do think that we could wind up seeing a little bit of money move in favor of Boston, which would lead to a play on the Toronto Blue Jays or vice versa. I wound up saying this line at minus 133, seeing a lot of minus 136 out there. If we can just wind up getting down two or three cents, that'll be a play on the Boston Red Sox. I'm sort of thinking we're going to get a little bit more action here on the Boston and Red Sox, but we're keeping an open mind right now. I'm waiting to see if we can get a plus 133 or a minus 133 on either side. So right now we're a little bit DBD with regards to the side, but that said, with Anthony Evaldi, there is a reason why I set him as more around a minus 133 favorite, and that's because this man does a great job of being able to keep the ball in the yard in the city of Boston. You take a look at what he was able to do last season, and he had a 347 home ERA, giving up six home runs at 114 innings. His walks per nine rate at home was right around two. Opponents had a 241 off of him, and then you take a look at UC Kikuchi, and his strikeouts per nine rate last season wound up going way up. He was averaging right around seven punch outs per nine innings first few seasons in the MLB. Last year, that was a little bit north of nine. The big thing is he gives up a lot of gopher balls on the road last season. 16 home runs given up over the course of 80 innings. Opponents wound up hitting a 254 off of them. And then for the Blue Jays, this is a team that they just got all sorts of matches. We all know what Vlad Guerrero Jr. is able to do. He is entering into the series already with five home runs this season. You take a look at Bo Bichette, and sitting at 222 right now, you know that he's going to be able to pick it up. George Springer is starting to look like the George Springer of old Lourdes Gurriel. He's hitting a 300 this season. You haven't been able to see a lot out of Teoscar Hernandez. He's been a little bit banged up, so that's been an issue. He and Remy Altapia have both sort of been in and out of the fold, but both of these guys are professional hitters. And then you take a look at the Boston Red Sox. They don't wind up having any sort of a break in regards to this one because they wind up playing on Monday, so that means that they're going to be a little bit more depleted with their bullpen. It's a Boston Red Sox team that they did wind up having to use up Phillips Valdez, Eda Casasado Mora, Cutter Crawford. So that means that they're a little bit behind the eight ball there. And so Robles is someone that I do like for this team. Got to figure that Garrett Woodlock is going to be able to go along with Matt Stram in this one. And for the Red Sox, they certainly do have a rock solid lineup. Rafael Devers, he's been able to give the team a pair of home runs. He's hitting well above the three hundred. Xander Bogarts along with Alex Verdugo. They both have been able to do a good job getting on base, both of them. Hitting north of the three iron. Verdugo has been able to give you a trio of home runs, but this is a spot in which I sort of anticipate money coming in a little bit more on Boston, but this winds up getting down to less than a minus 133. Going to be taking a look there once again with the Blue Jays. If we can wind up seeing a three-cent rise with them, because I've got them needing at least a plus 133 to take a shot there. I'm willing to go there, but with regards to the total, got a little bit more of something concrete here. 9.2 is what I wind up setting it at. Hopefully we can get a little bit of better juice here because I'm not willing to lay a minus 130 on 
any total. So right now we're looking at the 9.5, and, and I'd be willing to take it under. Hopefully we can wind up getting that juice situated. And like I said, with the Blue Jays, if we can get up to a plus 133, going to be taking a shot there. If the Red Sox wind up getting down to a minus 133, we're going to be taking a shot there. So one of those rare situations in which we are a little bit too be TBD, but many of you guys know following baseball, a lot of times we wind up seeing north of 20 cent line moves overnight, and that will be dictating the play here. 971, 972 on the betting board. The Houston Astros, they're going to be playing us to the LA Angels. Patrick Sandoval is going to be going for the Halos, and you've got Framber Valdez, who's going to be on the bump for the Astros. Astros are finding themselves in between minus 143 and minus 150. Meanwhile, if you take a look at the Angels, it is anywhere between plus 130 and plus 138 with your total on this game 8.5. Under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105, and with this spot, I did wind up setting the Astros as a minus 167 favorite, so I'm going to be willing to take a look at the Houston Astros. Only question is, is it going to be money line or run line? Right now, I'm seeing the Astros run line at a plus 135. I'd be willing to take a shot there, but that said, I think that we're getting a little bit of a better money line than I want to participate in, especially the minus 143 that I'm seeing. So I would rather have a little bit of added protection, take a look at the money line, because it is a Pusen Astros team that they're a little bit more banged up in this spot. You take a look at having a guy in Jordan Alvarez dealing with COVID-19. He's been out for the last few games as a result of that. Alex Bregman has been able to do a solid job being able to give the team a pair of home runs, and Jeremy Pena has been able to do a nice job as well, but this has just not been the same Houston Astros lineup to begin the season. They're still not striking out number one team with regards to field strikeouts in the league really over the last three seasons, but Jose Altuve has been a little bit rough to get out of the gates. He, Yuli Gurriel, Kyle Tucker, all guys hitting below the Mendoza line of a 200. Alvarez is someone that wound up coming back into the fold yesterday, so that is going to be big for them as he actually wound up hitting a home run yesterday as well, but Michael Brantley, he's been able to be one of the main constants for this team was a series. He does a good job out there in the outfield, but you take a look at this LA Angels team, they're probably going to be without Mike Trout once again. He wound up taking the ball off the hand towards the back half of that series against the Texas Rangers, but still have Showtime, Shohei Otani wound up having a trail of home runs in that very series I'm talking about. And able to get a little bit more of the ancillary pieces as well. Jack Mayfield, Brendan Marsh, Tyler Ward, along with Jared Walsh. All these guys right now are hitting above a 275 for the team. I just don't know if that's going to last. You've had Joe Adele, Andrew Velasquez. They just have not been able to give you a lot with regards to the team and with the Angels. The bullpen is one that I really cannot trust. And you've got one guy in Rossi Iglesias who's the closer. He is absolutely tremendous. But Oliver Ortega, Austin Warren, Jimmy Erico, guys like this. It's not great. Archie Bradley, he's just a little bit of an up and down pitcher. And for the Astros, they're dealing with an injury to Ryan Presley. You still got Ryan Sandick out there. He's able to do a solid job. Rafael Montero is someone that I've really never necessarily trusted in. You've got Brian Abreu, though. He's able to give you some solid innings. I'm a little bit lukewarm on Pedro Baez right now as well. But from Rivaldez, even though he does give out right around like four-ish walks per nine innings, a guy that you know that he's not going to give up a lot of hard contact to begin the season, has went nine and two-thirds innings, giving up just one run, has given up those walks, but doing a good job of being able to get some swings and misses. And for Patrick Sandoval, he actually did wind up ending last season in relatively solid form. He wound up having overall a 362 ERA to go with a three and six record, which he did not deserve that. And on the road, 326 road ERA gave up three home runs in 38 and two thirds innings with opponents hitting a 210 off of him. So I do think that Sandoval is going to be able to come in. He's
he's going to be able to hold down the fort. You do have a pair of lineups that they are dealing with some injuries, but that said, I do think that the Astros are going to be able to bust out a little bit more in this spot. The Astros, they're a little bit banged up with the Reds bullpen as well, and Valdez, I do think that his walks are going to hurt him a little bit, but I also think that Sandoval going to have a tough time after he wound up having his season ended last year with an injury, so he's still trying to get back from that as well. So, going to be looking at the Astros on the money line in the spot, semi-total 8.6, so looking at the 8.5 over as well. 973, 974 on the bang board, the Kansas City Royals are going to be playing off the Minnesota Twins. Chris Archer is going to be going for the Twins, and Carlos Hernandez is going to be on the bump for the Royals. The Royals are finding themselves at even money right now to a minus 102. And if you're taking a look at the Minnesota Twins, anywhere between minus 108 is minus 120 is your line on them being a favorite. 8 to 8.5 is your total. On the 8, overs minus 120 and the unders even. On the 8.5, the unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120 and the overs anywhere between even and minus 110. And with Chris Archer and company, I did wind up setting the Minnesota Twins at a plus 112. I feel like the Royals should be a little bit of a favorite for Archer. You really have to go back to 2019 to get any sort of a sample size whatsoever, and he was giving up more than a home run per start back then. He wound up having some electrifying stuff while he was with the Tampa Bay Rays first time around because he was actually with them last season as well, but I need to see it before I believe it a little bit more with him. First start against the LA Dodgers, not too bad. He wound up being able to deliver four scoreless settings, but this is also a gentleman that you take a look at what he's been able to do the last few seasons, and in 2021, 466 ERA as he wanted pitching a grand total of 19 innings. Didn't pitch at all in 2020, 2019, 519 ERA and got banged around like a pinata. So, boy, that was not great. And then you take a look at Carlos Hernandez. And last season, he actually pitched significantly worse at home rather than on the road. 49 home ERA, 227 road ERA, but... That said, I feel like he just wound up getting a little bit unlucky in general. Opponents hit a buck 69 off of him on the road, 264 at home. I just think that that was a case in which it was a little bit of an outlier, and I do think that this Royals team is going to be able to back him up with the bats a little bit more. It's been a rough start to the season power-wise for the Royals. They entered into Monday with just five home runs overall with Salvador Perez being a bit two of them. Perez, he wound up having 48 home runs last season. We all know what he's capable of, but he, Whit Merrifield, Bobby Whit Jr., Adalberto Mondesi, Carlos Santana, they all wound up entering into Monday hitting below a buck 90. Now, Santana, he's just useless at the plate right now. This is a guy that he has gotten lost, but Andrew Benatendi, he's hitting a 357 Dozier, has been off to a nice start to the season. He's hitting right around 300 along with Nicky Lopez, and then take a look at the Minnesota Twins. Very much a feast or famine lineup of their own, as you've got Ore Palanco, who has been able to do a solid job hitting a pair of home runs for the team, 341 on base, but right now you're dealing with a little bit of an injury to Byron Buxton, Carlos Correa. He's going to hit at some point. He's had a little bit of rough starts of the season, but Miguel Sano, Gary Sanchez, Correa, Max Kepler are able to throw in there, Ryan Jeffers, and Trevor Larnish. All these guys are hitting a 210 or lower, so it's been a little bit of an issue for a twin team that they've got a lot of power. They don't necessarily have a lot of guys outside of Gio Rochelle and Luis Arias that wind up hitting for average, so that's something to take a look at. And for the Minnesota Twins, I feel like they're a little bit outgunned out there in the bullpen as well. Jorge Alcala has been dealing with a little bit of an injury. That's something that you don't like to see. Joe Smith has been able to give you a couple good innings. Cody Sashek, though, he has proven that he cannot be reliable out there in the bullpen. And for the Royals, Josh Shema, one of the more underrated closers that you'll find in the MLB. Jake Brent, Scott Barlow, they're able to give you good innings. Amir Garrett is someone that I'm not necessarily 
high on, but Joel Payampas, I am very high on him, and I do think that Carlos Hernandez going to be outcoming, give a good start at home. I did wind up saying the Royals as a result as a favorite, so I'm going to be one to take the Royals here at right around even money. Did wind up saying my total as well in this spot. We're on an 8.4. I do think that Archer is going to be able to give an okay start against the Royals team that they just haven't necessarily been able to generate a lot of power, and I think that Hernandez holds down a twin team that currently dealing with Byron Buxton, dealing with an injury that is just not good for them. So looking under and looking at the Royals. 975-976 is a DK Nation pick. The Walker Texas Rangers set the road face off against the Seattle Mariners. Robbie Ray is going to be going for the M's and 55 Shades of John Gray is going to be on the bump for the Texas Rangers. 7.5 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. And if you're looking at Seattle, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 137 and minus 150. Meanwhile, plus price with Texas. Anywhere between plus 127 and plus 135. And when it comes down to it, I did mind making the DK Nation pick the over because you got a Texas Rangers team that all of a sudden they are very much revamped with their lineup and you got a Seattle Mariners team that I think that they're going to be able to get busted out with the bats as well. One of the most underrated bats in all of baseball is that on Seattle and Mitch Hanniger. Someone who wound up hitting 39 home runs last season did wind up missing a couple games due to COVID-19, so that was a little bit of an issue, but seems like there's a good chance that he might be back for this game, and even if he's not back, you still have Jesse Winker out there in the outfield. You bring in Eugenio Suarez. He's already been able to give the team a pair of homers this season. Ty France has been able to do a solid job. 400 on base going into Monday. Pair of home runs for him. Adam Frazier, he's turned to hit as well after he wound up having a little bit of a rough start to the season. You've got to love the fact that you bring in Julio Rodriguez, young 21-year-old. He wound up having a nice breakout series against the Houston Astros as well, so these are a bunch of guys for the Seattle Mariners are, are starting to get things going, and they're going up against the Texas Rangers team that they bring in John Gray, and I'm not necessarily sure why they bring in John Gray, because you take a look at what he wound up doing during the 2021 season, he couldn't pitch away from Coors. 402 ERA at Coors Field, on the road to 522 ERA, giving up only 9 home runs in 78 two-thirds innings, but opponents had 285 off of him. His walks per 9 rate was well north of 3 as well, and then he's backed up by a bullpen that Right to call what it is. Not great. Joe Barlow was solid last season. He's been getting banged around this season. Garrett Richards is someone that they're looking for in relief. Boy, that's not going to go well for you. Matt Moore, well, I would like to see more from you because this guy's been absolutely awful since coming back to the MLB. Greg Holland is about 567 years old, and even when he was not 567 years old, was not necessarily so great. And for the Texas Rangers, all of a sudden, you finally have a lineup. Marcus Simeon has been off to a really rough start to the season, but you know that he's not going to be staying below the Mendoza line of 200 for long. Corey Seager has been able to hit right around a 300 for the team. Nate Lowe has been hitting a 371, and then you've got Adolis Garcia, along with Brad Miller, who both have multiple home runs this season. Willie Calhoun was one of the most unlucky hitters in all of baseball last season. Got to expect a little bit of a bounce back there. I do like what you're able to see as well out of a young guy in Andy Ipanez who's been able to get on base for this team as well. So I do take a look at this spot and I do think that the total is a little bit too low now. I like what I've seen out of Robbie Ray thus far. I just don't necessarily think that he's going to be able to duplicate his Cy Young season from last year. Walks have always been a little bit of an issue for him and first two starts of the season. 13 and a third innings. He's already given out six walks. The four home runs, so you know that there's going to be positive regression there. But even last year, he was giving out pretty much a home run per start. His home runs per nine rate was north of one and a half, so he does have those tendencies. So I do think that this is a situation in which the total is just set too low. My DK Nation pick is going to be on the over, and I don't think that there's really trusting in John Gray in this spot. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 149 here with the Seattle Mariners. 
Run line, I'm seeing it in a lot of places, actually right around a plus 145. I don't honestly think it's a worse look in the world, but I'd rather have the protection of the money line in this spot. So we're going to be going Mariners, and the DK Nation pick is going to be on the over. 977, 978 on the main board, the Baltimore Orioles, the third faceoff against the Oakland A's. We know that Cole Irvin is going to be going for the ace. Right now for the Baltimore Orioles, it's to be determined. A lot of birdies have been telling me that it's most likely going to be Keegan Aiken. And if it's going to be Keegan Aiken, it's going to be rough here for our good friends of Baltimore Orioles. If it does wind up being Aiken, I'd be setting this line right around minus 169, minus 170-ish with the Oakland A's with a total of 9.2. So a 9 or lower, I'd be taking a look at the over 9.5 or higher. We'd be taking a look at the under. And even if it doesn't wind up being Keegan Aiken, you can't think that it's necessarily going to be too much better because your other options for this team, you're going to be having a bullpen game. And, well... Do, do you expect anything good from an from a Baltimore Orioles bullpen game? Because I don't. Maybe you wind up throwing Ode Lopez out there for a few innings. Maybe you wind up recalling someone like Alexander Wells. And Alexander Wells and Keegan Aiken, they're going to be priced pretty much the same. So you're not going to be taking a look at much variance here. What we do know about Cole Irvin, though, for the... Oakland A's is that this is someone that he's very much going to pitch a contact. This is not one of your guys that is going to be going out there and lighting up the radar gun. Last season, wound up having right around six strikeouts per nine innings. I'm expecting a lot of the same this season, but does a good job of not walking, guys. Wound up having right around 2.1 walks per nine innings, so you know that he's going to do a solid job of being able to hold down the fort, and you take a look at what he wound up doing in the city of Oakland last season. 390 home ERA. Nothing great, nothing terrible. 10 home runs, give it up in 87 and two-thirds innings, and being out there during the nighttime in Oakland, the marine layer is out, so harder to be able to get gopher balls out there, and for the Baltimore Orioles, they wound up entering into Monday with the only team in the MLB that had yet to play a game over the total. Cedric Mullins, he's a good hitter for the team. He's not going to continue yet below the Mendoza line of a 200. He is one of the better hitters, actually, out there in the MLB. He had Ryan Mouquez last season. Both had 25-plus home runs. Trey Boom and Mancini. He had right around 20 bombs last season as well, but the big question is, what are you going to be able to get at the bottom of the lineup? Guys like a Ore Mateo, Austin the Say's kid, Anthony Benboom. You bring in Rudan Odor, who has been terrible wherever he's been. And then for the Oakland A's, Elvis Andrews was one of the most unlucky hitters with regards to batting average versus expected batting average last season. I think that he's in for a big season. Tony Kemp entering into Monday. He was hitting right around 300. Seth Brown, Sean Murphy, both of these guys have been able to give you multiple home runs. Christian Bache, a guy that has been a highly touted prospect for a long time. He's been able to put it together along Sam Noisy. And when it comes to this Oakland A's bullpen, it's not great by any stretch of the imagination. Lutrovino leaves a lot to be desired, but Danny Jimenez has actually been able to do a solid job for this team. Justin Grimm is someone that I've always felt has not necessarily gotten the world's most fair shake. Domingo Acevedo, he is actually a little bit of a gas can, but Adam Cloreric is someone I do like. And for the Baltimore Orioles, they might be using their bullpen the entire game. And, well, this is one of the worst bullpens out there in the big leagues. Marco Zaplan, Felix Bautista, Sionel Perez. You want absolutely no part of these guys. And if it does wind up being Keegan Aiken that winds up getting the start, by the way, you take a look at his 2021 numbers. A whopping 6.63 ERA last season that wound up going to a 7.12 on the road. There is just absolutely no trusting in him whatsoever. So it's a case in which with the Oakland A's, I'd be setting my money line if it does wind up being Aiken versus Irvin, right around about a minus 170-ish. And with regards to the run line, I'd probably be taking a look there because I'd probably be willing to take the Oakland A's pretty much as long as it's even money or better there. And once again, I'd be setting my total at 9.2, so a 9 or lower would be looking over. 9.5 prior to the under end. We have things up with 979, 980 on the betting board. And the Chicago Cubs, and they're going to be playing us the Tampa Bay Rays. Josh Fleming is going to be going for the Rays, and Justin Seals on the bump for the Cubs. No overnight total here. 
lot of books because of the wind over there at Wrigley Field. They hold off to post up a total until the day of the game. But with that said, with the Rays on the money line, you're finding them and between a minus 107 and a minus 117. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Cubbies, find them anywhere between minus 105 and plus 107. And with the Rays, I'm going to be willing to lay here. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 146. Josh Fleming has always been a little bit inconsistent in my opinion, but you take a look at Justin Seal. And last year, he actually wound up doing a halfway decent job for the Chicago Cubs, but for his career, he's had a fielding independent about a point higher than his ERA, which that is very concerning. His career ERA, it is hovering right in the neighborhood of about a four-ish, and this is a guy in Justin Seal that he's given up for his career, 12 home runs and 66 out of third innings. Good news is, looks like the wind is going to be blowing in a little bit more. This is as of the information that I've got right now. Obviously, forecasts can wind up changing a little bit, but that said, that should be able to help him out a little bit, but I do take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays team, and I do think that they're going to be able to do a solid job of being able to put back to ball. You've got a trio of guys, Wander Franco, Randy Orozarena, along with Manuel Margot. They do a good job of being able to reach base, being able to move the line, and then you've got more of your power hitters like a Brandon Lau, who's already got three home runs this season. You know that Mike Zanino, who wound up hitting north of 30 bombs, he is in that category as well. He's been off to a relatively rough start to the season thus far, so they have been sort of platooning at the catcher spot, but I do take a look at what you're able to get out of Yandy Diaz as well. He's a good power hitter that's able to hit for some average as well. G-Man Choi entering into Monday. He was hitting a 455, and this is a Cubs team that entering into Monday, they had scored four runs or more in seven out of their first nine games, and a big reason why is their big acquisition from Japan, C.I. Suzuki. He wound up entering into Monday hitting a four and he had already built it a quadrant of home runs. So, very good start there. Frank Schwindel, along with Rafael Ortega, towards the back half last season, these guys were able to be relatively solid. Both of these guys haven't necessarily been able to duplicate that quite yet. And Patrick Wisdom, he is a strikeout machine. This guy is probably going to lead the league in strikeouts this year. And Joey Gallo still exists. So, that is a little bit of an issue, but you know that he's got some power on the bat. Nick Madrigal, Nico Horner after rough starts of the year, they've been able to pick it up. Wilson Contreras has been able to give you a pair of home runs. But the one thing that the Rays have going for them, that the Chicago Cubs team decide. They've got a solid bullpen. J.P. Fireisen, you got to figure, is going to be good to go in this one. Brooks Raley, Jeffrey Springs, Matt Weisler, all these guys are able to give you good innings up for the Cubs. They're going to be relying upon someone like a Jesse Chavez. Scott Efrost is someone that I have absolutely no faith in whatsoever. Daniel Norris is seeing meaningful innings for the Cubs. They wound up only getting four and a third innings out of Kyle Hendricks yesterday. That is a big giant issue for you. And Jay McClanahan was able to give you six strong for the Tampa Bay Rays. So that is actually big in this spot, in my opinion, especially with a guy in Josh Fleming that he just doesn't necessarily go deep for the Tampa Bay Rays team. He's won three and a third innings in his first two appearances of the season. Last year was someone that certainly had his ups and his downs. He had an 880 road ERA compared to a 228 home ERA. If you're looking at home and road splits, there you go right there. Now, I think that we're going to see a little bit of an evening here, and I do think that even if you wind up seeing Fleming winding up giving up a few runs early, that the Rays bullpen is going to be able to hold down the fort from there. So, setting the Rays at a minus 126 in the spot, also made by total at 7.3, so when this winds up coming out, 7 or lower, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. 7.5 or higher, going to be taking a look at an under. And that will wrap things up for the Tuesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. Now part of the VEASAN Family and Podcast. A big thanks to our good friend Jeff Parles. Does a great job over there on the numbers game and point spread Saturday. He joined me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at June at underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM. They mean does not matter. So as per usual, please send these into the timeline and the other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the MLB season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club.